This message was preached on June 13, 2021 at Faith Reformed Baptist Church in Titusville, Florida. Good morning and let's go to the Lord in prayer more briefly. One more time, Father, we come before you, Lord. We ask now for the Holy Spirit to be on our minds and hearts, giving us light and understanding upon this, this doctrine that we are going to start studying this morning, the doctrine of perseverance, so important for us in our Christian life. So we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we uh, start a new chapter in the confession this morning. It's chapter 17, which is about the doctrine of perseverance. The, we already finished uh, chapter 16 on good works. And now uh, the question that we have for this morning, the question that we are going to try to answer is this. Is perseverance necessary for salvation? Is perseverance necessary for salvation? And the short answer to that is, only those who persevere unto the end shall be saved. However, it is not by their perseverance, but by grace, by, by the grace of God, that they are saved and persevere. So, yes, it is necessary, but it is not by perseverance that we are saved, but rather that by the grace of God. So one of the oldest uh, controversies among uh, evangelicals since the beginning of the Reformation in the uh, 16th century and more in the 17th century is the issue of losing your salvation. Can a true Christian lose his salvation? Is it possible to lose your salvation? Can a person who has become a real Christian regenerated by the Holy Spirit, lose his salvation. Then, of course, uh, Reformed uh, Orthodoxy, Reformed Orthodox doctrine rejects the notion of uh, losing one's salvation. And for that reason, we who believe in the uh, final perseverance of the saints, we have been accused many times of teaching osas or the doctrine of once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. Then uh, that's not what we believe. Then, of course, technically, we do believe that once a person has been saved, that person will always be saved. But the idea that we reject is the idea of no matter what, right? No matter what you do, you can be saved and, and live like the devil. And then at the end, you know, you'll be saved because you, you made a profession of faith or something like that, or you responded to an altar call. Well, we don't believe that. The Bible doesn't teach that. That idea is it's false. It is a false doctrine. <clears throat> but, you know, those who think that it's possible to lose your salvation when they hear that, we don't believe that. They say, well, then you believe once saved, always saved. They, and they, they say, well, what you teach is that, you know, you can get saved and no matter what you do, no matter how you live your life, you will be saved at the end. 
<clears throat> but that's not what we believe, and that's not how the confession of faith presents the doctrine of perseverance. Um, they present perseverance as something necessary on those who have received the grace of God, but it's not once saved, always saved, no matter what, but perseverance is necessary. So it is the perseverance of the saints. Those who have been saved will persevere. They are incapable of not persevering. And those who do not persevere are not Christians who lose their salvation. They are false believers. False professing believers. They are, they are people who have professed faith in Christ, faith in Jesus, who maybe live their lives for some time in a way that resemble the life of true Christians. But on the last day, Jesus will tell them, I will never knew you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. And the Apostle Paul said, uh, not Paul, the Apostle John says something similar in his first letter. He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. That's First John chapter 2. Verse 19, <clears throat> so here John reminds us that there are false believers in the church. There are professing believers that claim to be Christians, but in reality they are not. And he says, the reason why they live is because they were never true Christians to begin with. So the first paragraph in the confession defines very well, the doctrine of perseverance, and this is what we believe, is very far from being the caricature of once saved, always saved. So let's read um, chapter 17, paragraph 1, which is a long paragraph. Those whom God has accepted in the Beloved, effectually called and sanctified by His Spirit, and given the precious faith of his elect unto, can neither totally nor finally fall from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end, and be eternally saved, seeing the gift and callings of God are without repentance, whence he still begets and nourishes in them faith, repentance, love, joy, hope, and all the graces of the Spirit unto immortality and though they and though many storms and floods arise and beat against them yet they shall never be able to take them off that foundation and rock which by faith they are fastened upon notwithstanding through unbelief and the temptation of satan's the sensible sight of the light and love of god may for a time be clouded and obscured from them yet he is still the same, and they shall be sure to be kept by the power of God unto salvation, where they shall enjoy their purchased possession. They being engraving upon the palm of his hands, and their names having been written in the book of life from all eternity. So that's the uh, definition of 
perseverance, very uh, dense, very rich uh, paragraph, and we are going to divide it in two sections because there are two sections here. One is a, a theological section, the first half, and then we have come to the practical section in the second half. So the first thing that we uh, should notice in this paragraph is the, that the foundation upon which perseverance rests is not the will of man. The foundation upon which perseverance rests is not the will of man, not even the regenerated will of regenerated Christians. It is the power of God. It is the grace of God. The work that God has done on the believer and uh, I know, I don't know how many of you remember when we were studying the uh, chapter 11 on justification, we spoke about the, uh, the covenant of salvation, the pactum salutis, and the order of salvation, the order salutis. And we saw that the covenant of salvation is that eternal decree of salvation before the foundation of the world when God decreed that he was going to save the elect. And then we spoke about this order of salvation, all these graces that God applies to the elect in a certain order, right? Like when, we, when you go to Romans chapter 8, verse 30, it says there, Moreover, whom he did predestine, then he also called. And those whom he called, then he also justified. And those whom he justified, then he also glorified. So we see how all those, these graces are applied in a certain order. But more important than the order is the fact that there are those graces that have to be applied. <clears throat> those graces that come from God. He is the one who predestinates and then he calls and then he sanctifies and etc. etc. He is the one doing all those things. We are not the one doing those things. It is God. So the authors of the confession, they, they, they start by saying, those whom God has accepted in the beloved, and God has called and sanctified and given faith. That's how they start. The foundation is the work that God has done. That's the... That's the, the the foundation for perseverance. It is not something that depends on a decision that we make, even though we have to make a decision. Right? <clears throat> perseverance rests. It is founded. It is placed on the work of God. When Jesus told his disciples that it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, they said, well, then who, who can be saved? And he said, well, this is for man this is impossible. But for God, with God, all things are possible. God can make possible that which is impossible for men. And conversion is impossible for men. You remember that passage in the uh, one of the prophets where he says, um, uh, can the leopard change his spots? Of course not. A leopard cannot say, well, I, 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 I don't want all these spots. I look ridiculous. I, I want to be white like a polar bear or I want to be black like a black panther and then, you know, somehow change his, his fur. That's impossible. One day he says, well, it is impossible for a sinner to become a non-sinner just by desiring to do it. 
there has to be a change in his nature, and that change has to come from God. <clears throat> so perseverance is also impossible. It is God who has to make it possible. And in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22, we read there that this made Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The fact that he is our high priest makes him a guarantor of a better covenant. So everything that belongs to the new covenant, as we read in Ezekiel, I will put, give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my commandments. All that, regeneration and perseverance are the works of God, and they are guaranteed by the work of our high priest in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now the confession uses this very interesting expression. They say, the elect can neither totally nor finally fall from the state of grace. From the state of grace. So salvation is not a possession that we have. That we can lose. It is a state. And it is a state from which we cannot fall. Very interesting. It doesn't depend on us. We cannot fall from the state of grace. It is impossible. Adam, under the covenant of works, in the original creation, he was in a state that was a state of mutability. He could fall from that state. He was created with original righteousness, but with the possibility of falling from that state. And he actually did fall. But we who are believers, we are in a state of immutability. We cannot fall from the state of grace. We can't. Regeneration cannot become degeneration. It is not reversible. We cannot experience the second death because we have been given what? Eternal life. Right? Eternal life has to be eternal. If you lose your eternal life, then it's not really eternal. Because if 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 you know if you could lose eternal life, then well everybody has eternal life until he dies. Right? <laughs> so we are in a state that is immutable we are in a better position than adam was in the beginning we are not yet in heaven but we are given an entrance into the eternal kingdom we have been given an entrance into the eternal kingdom in a promise and in 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 hope and in second peter chapter 1 verse 11 it says for in this way will there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we cannot fall from that state. In Revelations 3, uh, Revelation 3, 12, it says, The one who conquers I, will, conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. So Adam 
lived in paradise, but his state was mutable. He could fall, he could be kicked out of it, and he was. We don't live in paradise yet. For us, it is a promise. For us, it is our hope, but our state is immutable. Very different. We are in a better position than Adam was. He was created without sin and placed in paradise, but he could lose those, those things, and he did. But we are sinners. We are not yet in the kingdom of heaven. We do not have it except as a promise, but we will obtain it and we will never go out of it. And that's why the Apostle Paul can say, For I reckon that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In Romans 8.18. Why does he say that? Well, because we will achieve that. It is part of the package. Another important point that the authors of the confession make is the, uh, the gift and calling, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. And of course, when they say that, they are paraphrasing Romans 11:29, where it says, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. They are pretty much quoting that passage. The ESV says that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Irrevocable. Now, what does that mean? It means that it cannot be changed. It cannot be turned back. The calling and the gifts of God are without repentance. Now, what are the gifts in plural? The gifts of God. What are those gifts? Well, all the gifts accompanying salvation. Everything that comes with salvation, salvation is a package that has many things. We speak about salvation and justification as one thing, but salvation is a package. And it has a lot of things. In Ephesians chapter 2, for example, verse 8, it says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that, not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Well, what's the gift of God? And, you know, theologians debate, well, he's talking about grace. No, he's talking about faith. No, it's the whole package is a gift of God. Salvation and the means to obtain salvation, faith. That is a gift of God, the package, the whole package. But not only faith, but everything else that is necessary to complete the work that God started. Everything is part of the package and it comes from God. So they continue saying, the authors of the confession, seeing the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance, whence he still begets and nourishes in them faith, repentance, love, joy, hope, and all the graces of the Spirit unto immortality. It is God who, do, who does those things. All those graces are included in this package that we call salvation. And even when trials and tribulations come to our lives, the Bible says that God gives us the means to endure and the means to get out of those uh, 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 situations. 
Pay attention to, to this passage, very important, in Romans chapter 8, verses 30 to 32. He says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he, he justified, them he also glorified. What shall then we say to these things? Right? If that is true, what shall we say? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Is perseverance unto the end, the end part of that package? Of course. Of course it is. The Lord Jesus said, He who perseveres unto the end shall be saved. So, perseverance is part of the package of salvation. And it is given by God. It is impossible to be saved unless one perseveres and continues. We have to finish the race. Perseverance is part of the package of salvation. It is included. Notice verse 32. I'm going to read it again in Romans 8. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up, for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? It is a question, but he's not expecting an answer. It is a rhetorical question. He's not, he, he, he's not expecting an answer. He's stating something positively in the form of a question. Now, what is he saying? What is he stating in this question? Well, he's saying that if God put in motion a plan of salvation that involved the incarnation and death of his son, the second person of the Trinity, if God did that, he is not going to leave the rest to us. He's going to give us everything necessary for that plan of salvation that he put in motion that involved the death of his son to be completed. He's not going to leave the rest to us. Everything that is necessary to the accomplishment and the conclusion of that plan is going to be provided by him. That's what he's saying. And if you think about it, considering this, what he's saying this, if you think about it, the doctrine or the position that says the salvation can be lost, that it's possible to lose those sal your salvation, like... Some people say that position is very arrogant, very arrogant, because the assumption behind it is that God said, well, okay, I want to accomplish something. I want to accomplish the salvation of all human beings. And in order to do that, I'm going to send my son to earth to live in a state of humiliation and die as a criminal. And then I am going to leave everything else in the hands of fallible men. Basically, that's, they don't say it like that, but that's what they're saying. The same God who said, cursed is the man who trusts in man. Now he's sending his son to earth to die and to leave everything in the hands of man. How ridiculous. <clears throat> of course, that's not how they say it, but that's the implication. God did everything that he could, and now the rest is up to you to do your part. God did his part. Now you have to do your part. Well, no. 
In Job chapter 4, verses 18 to 19, he says there, Even in his servants he puts no trust, and his angels he charges with error. How much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed like the moth. And we say, no. Thanks God that is not like that. Perseverance does not come from us. It is part of the package of salvation. It is founded on the grace of God. Now, that's perseverance considered under a theological perspective. Right? And if we only take in, you know, the, the theological perspective, we say, well, okay, then there's nothing that I have to do. It comes from heaven and I don't have to worry. No. That's not the way it is. That's why there is a, a second half of the paragraph. <laughs> right? That we have to read. I'm going to read it now. And though many storms and floods arise and beat against them, yet they shall never be able to take them off that foundation and rock, rock which by faith they are fastened upon. Notwithstanding, through unbelief and the temptations of Satan, the sensible sight of the light and love of God may for a time be clouded and obscured from them, yet he is still the same. And they shall be sure to be kept by the power of God unto salvation, where they shall enjoy their purchased possession, they being engraven, engraven upon the palm of his hand, and their names having been written in the book of life from all eternity. So here the authors of the uh, confession are telling us that even though perseverance is a gift from God and it is part of the package of salvation and it is provided by God, there will be attacks. There will be attacks and floods and storms and we have to endure and we have to persevere. Our enemies are active, right? Who are our enemies? Well, my own flesh, right? Residual sin, remnant sin. The world, Satan, those are our enemies. And they continue to be active until we die. They continue to be active. They never stop. They never sleep. They never rest. But they will never make us fall definitely, definitively. And lose our salvation. Our salvation. They can make us fall temporarily. And they can make us lose our assurance of salvation. But not our salvation. But we can certainly lose our assurance of salvation. And they say when that happens. God has not changed. He is the same. But there's now this. There's like a cloud. And we cannot see his face. And we cannot see his light. And we cannot experience his love. Dark times. But then they add, those who are elect shall be kept by the power of God. Right? That comes from where? From First Peter, right? First Peter chapter 1 verse, verses 4 to 5. It says that we have been elect to an inheritance Inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. 
So when you go through those dark times and you get out, you have to thank God. God is the one who keeps you all the time. We have our part to do. It's not an effort, effortless thing. Right? We know the foundation is the, is the grace of God, the work of God. That it is part of the package, but we, are, we have to persevere. And many times we are going to go through those dark times, those storms, those uh, 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 attacks from Satan, those attacks from the flesh and from the world. And, and they say, God has not changed. He is the same. He will get us out. And we have got to thank when we come out of the temptation, when we come out of those dark times. And in First John, we read then, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And we know that our faith comes from God. So, is perseverance necessary for salvation? Of course it is necessary for salvation, but it is part of that package of salvation. The foundation, the basis for perseverance is not our will, even though our wills are involved. It is the work of God, what God determined to do from eternity past and now is accomplishing in time, in the in the execution of his plan and all those things that we need comes come from god if god did not spare his son if he if he gave his son he says he's going to give us everything else that we need all those graces that we need faith perseverance uh, uh, everything god is going to give him give them to us amen okay. let's go to the lord in prayer Dear Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your kindness, for uh, calling us and uh, setting us aside to be your people, to persevere. So we pray, Lord, that uh, having understood this doctrine, that we become more ready to continue the race and to continue the fight. And we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Any questions or any comments? Thank you. Okay, we're going to have our break now.